Well, this weekend, we are at our Jude series. Now, Jude, as you know, we is only one chapter, and today we have come to chapter or verses rather 11 to 13. And I'm going to uh, read it for you now, and then we will get straight into it. Jude verses 11 to 13. Now, it says this, what sorrow awaits them for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother like Balaam. They deceived people for money and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead for they bear no fruit and they have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea churning up the form of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. This weekend, the sermon of my title, is, the title of my sermon is this Impasta Among Us. Now, when we read this scripture, it is very clear it is about false teachers. And the reason I came up with this title is there's this game called Among Us. For those of you who know, the premise of the game works this way, is that among the, the, among the, the group of people, there is actually an imposter. What's an imposter? It is someone who claims to be something that they are actually not pretending to be someone, pretending to play a certain role. And the objective of the game is to actually flush out the imposters. Or if you are the imposter playing the game, you eventually want to deceive everyone and you rise to the top. Now, where did I get the word impasta from? It's a play on words from the word imposter. Now, just think about in a church, what is a leader of a church? So think of that word and then think of imposter, think of combining them. If you get it, drop it in the chat and that could be a really, really nice prize. But anyway, back to our scripture. False teachers, what does the Bible say? The Bible also tells us in Matthew 7 verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So the Bible it's very, very clear that false teachers does exist. They do exist. But how do we spot a false teacher, a false prophet, or a non-genuine Christian leader? Now, the first thing to do is we need to recognize this. We need to be people of judgment and not be judgmental people. What's the difference? The difference is that one is based on discrimination, but another is based on discernment. So just because a particular leader doesn't speak the way we like, or doesn't operate in the style that we are comfortable with, or that he or she has a, what would be called a face problem, that doesn't mean they are a false teacher or prophet. And similarly, a teacher that only serves milk may not be a great teacher, but it does not make them a false teacher. 
What does that mean? If you read the Bible, you know there's this analogy that Paul uses describing uh, spiritual milk and spiritual meat. Essentially what it is, is that spiritual milk is basic, elementary, very, very simple teaching. So just because a teacher or a preacher is not someone who is as deep or as theological as we like, that don't mean that they are actually false teachers as well. So how then can we distinguish or how then can we tell what is a false teacher? The Bible first cites three characters, Cain, Balaam, and Korah. Now it's interesting, these three characters, what I've noticed about them is that all three of them, uh, amongst all three of them, there are a few similarities. Number one is that they hear from God. Cain heard from God because God spoke to him and asked him, where is your brother Abel? And Cain was able to reply him. Balaam was a prophet who could actually hear from God and release prophecy and bless Israel. So they heard from God. And all three of them were also gifted. Cain was gifted. He, the Bible tells us that he was gifted in working the soil. Balaam was gifted. He was a gifted prophet, anointed. Korah was also gifted. Not only was he a Levite, he was able to incite 250 people to rise up against Moses. You know what he did there? He showed leadership. He had influence, even though he was using it for not a good, not in the right way. So just because somebody has the outward giftings or the outward appearance of uh, what it seems to be an effective or good leader, pastor, preacher, prophet, it doesn't mean that, uh, it's not, that's not all to it. There's actually more than what is our outward giftings, especially for people who profess to be men and women of God. So how can we be sure of that? The first thing I want to do is I want to have three points of what type of leader we need to be wary of based on Cain, Balaam, and Korah. So here it goes. The first point is this. We need to be wary of a leader that operates in offense. Now Cain was someone who was offended because his brother Abel offered an offering, and so did he. But the Lord accepted Abel's offering but rejected Cain's one. Now notice this. The Lord rejected Cain's offering. He did not reject Cain. But Cain got offended by that. And when he was offended, the Lord actually spoke to him and said, Be careful, Cain. Sin is at your door waiting to master you, but you must not let it overcome you. What was he talking about? Offense. So here's another thought. Taking offense is an event, but becoming offended is a decision. It is very normal in life to be to take an offense, to become to for someone to offend us, whether it's intentionally or inadvertently. Even in church, because church is made up, uh, church is not a museum for the righteous, but a hospital for the broken, correct? So that means that all of us are not perfect, all of us have flaws, and all of us sometimes will hurt one another. And even with different working styles and everything like that, conflict is bound to happen. But taking an offense is an event, staying offended is a decision. Cain 
decided or Cain allowed offense to overtake him and then he ended up killing his brother Abel. So a leader that operates in offense is one who is very easily offended, one who takes every person who wants to give any kind of feedback as a threat, you know, who, who one that you cannot have a genuine and honest conversation with, uh, one who has a chip on his shoulder, always like a point to prove. Basically, if you know someone who is not carrying the right spirit, wanting to prove everybody wrong and just being offended, well, that is a sign that there should be someone that you should be wary of. Secondly, is this, we should be wary of a leader that is an opportunist. That is what Balaam was. Balaam was approached by King Balak to try and bring down the people of Israel. But Balaam knew because he was a man of God that God would never curse Israel, even though that's what Balak wanted him to do. So what he did was, is he tried to find a different opportunity for, to cause Israel to fall into sin and disqualify themselves from the Lord's blessing. And he did it in exchange for money. Now, money and ministry is a very tricky topic. And I acknowledge that there are different situations that could happen. There's this one situation could be this way that a person can genuinely be called by God, have a vision, have a passion to do something for God. And along the way, because success comes and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, things happen and it causes them to be in certain situations where they are a bit more influential and they have a bit more access to finance. And then that's where they use that as an opportunity. That's why there's this saying, uh, I can't remember who said it, but I read it somewhere that uh, almost anybody can withstand a tough time. But if you really want to see a person's character, give them money and power. That's how the saying goes. There are, there's also another situation where a person could get into ministry or could go into church trying to swindle people of their money. Both are equally dangerous and are also real. So that's why we have to be very careful for someone who is an opportunist. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 2 verse 3, it says this, In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money, but God condemned them long ago and their destruction will not be delayed. So it is not unsurprising that there are people who fall, there are people who get fired, there are churches who split over the issue of finance. And that's why here at SIBKL, I'm very, very, I feel very assured that we have different checks and balances. We have a council that manages all the financial and all the different things, whereas the pastors, you know, we, we focus on ministry. So it's highly important to be, to establish structures of accountability and all that kind of stuff. And it's also important that we are discerning that in ministry, the end goal should never be for reward or profit. That the Lord will bless those who actually work the field, yes. But be very, very careful if you encounter anyone who only seems to be interested in pushing or getting financial gain, or if any, or a person who never seems to be one to be accountable um, or, or yeah, in any form of way. 
You know, the Bible also tells us in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Money is a great servant, but a terrible master. And all the more, as people of God, as we advance His kingdom, we should serve God only. The third thing is this. Be wary of a leader that despises showing obedience. Korah was a very unfortunate fellow. I don't know what got into him, but he one day just decided to go against Moses, the Lord's chosen and the Lord's anointed. Moses who encountered God via a burning bush. Moses who God used to lead Israel out of Egypt. I don't know what got into his mind, but Korah one day decided, hey, what makes you so great, Moses, that you should lead us? Tell me. And he brought 250 poor souls along with him to rise up against Moses and he showed disobedience. You can go to Numbers chapter 16. That story does not end well. Why is it important to show obedience? The Bible tells us this. 1 Samuel 15 verse 23. I'm going to read two different versions. It says this, For rebellion is like, is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. And another version says this, Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Get that? It's crazy. And stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. The Bible equates rebellion and disobedience to that of divination and witchcraft. Why is that? Think about divination and witchcraft. Um, think of just, uh, I'm not talking Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards and all that kind of stuff. Right? I'm talking about people who practice that in real life today. If you were to go do a bit of research, you will see that what they are trying to do is that they try to tap into powers that are not really meant for them to manipulate situations that they were not supposed to manipulate in. And that's the thing when we show disobedience. When we show disobedience, we are trying to dabble in matters or situations where actually it should belong to the Lord. Now, it's easy to say or it's understandable to feel like, but if a leader does something, shouldn't I stand up to them? Or if something is wrong or whatever, shouldn't I do up to them? Yes, that is a very, very, that's almost could be like a sermon on its own. But what I'm talking about is here is the heart. The heart. A leader that only demands submission, but never himself is submissive to either a board of elders or to a leader above him is one that needs to be very, very, uh, we need to be wary and be careful of that person because a person that operates in independence clearly just says, I know what is right. Everybody else is wrong. I know the way. I, I know the way because God speaks to me and to me only. Everybody else is wrong. And when leaders start using that kind of language or develop that kind of posture, that is a sign that we should pay attention. Maybe this person is someone that we should be wary of. And in this little portion of scripture here, Jude also tells us five characteristics 
of ungodly leaders. Number one, they are destructive because Jude says that they can shipwreck your faith. They can shipwreck your faith. They come, they, they come into uh, your fellowship meals and they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are, number one, dangerous. They are destructive, sorry. They are destructive. They can shipwreck your faith. How many stories have we already heard of fallen leaders? It's not pleasant. It's not nice. And I don't rejoice. I don't gloat. And I don't, I feel no joy mentioning or even thinking about godly people or people who seem like they were godly fall. Because the reality is this, even though we are taught and we are told not to rely on spiritual leaders, but clearly a spiritual leader has a great effect on us. So when one of them falls, when one of them does something ungodly or unrighteous, it can shipwreck us. I have heard of people being in uh, church splits because of um, the fallen leader due to immorality or whatever. And some of them don't ever come back. Faith-wise, I mean, they, they don't, they, they're just so affected that they walk away from the faith. Some do come back, praise God for that, but they take a long time to heal. So we must recognize that, that they are destructive. The second thing is this, that they are disappointing. Like clouds without rain, Jude says. They are disappointing they are like what i would describe as thunder and lightning but no refreshing rain um it's kind of like have you ever noticed i've discovered this you know when i was younger i thought that being a preacher or be to be an effective preacher you just need to have like lots of passion like lots of energy lots of like ah you know like just hype the crowd up and I, and I think to a certain extent, yeah, that plays a part. But all of that is only in the surface. It's a heavy thunder and lightning, but no refreshing rain. So get this. I, I recognize this, that, that it's not about the volume of someone's voice, but it's the value of their lives that will impact and change and make a difference. And in the same way, a false teacher or a false leader or whatever you want to call it, they may look like they have passion, they have zeal and all that kind of stuff, but don't just listen to their voice, look at their values. Look at their values because they can be disappointing, like cloud without rain. The third thing is this, they can leave you dissatisfied. They can leave you dissatisfied. I don't know whether you have ever been in a situation where you eat a really full meal and you eat a really 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 big meal but you're just not satisfied like you just eat all kinds of stuff and you're not satisfied or you could be playing a game or a sport and you could be going at it for a long long time but you're just not um, satisfied you are you, you you feel like you walk away feeling like, um, you know, I just, I'm just not satisfied with that. And it's the same when we are with, when, there, when, when we align ourselves with leaders or teachers that are um, ungodly. Because just like being in a, a sporting event or a game in a long time, 
we can also be in a certain ministry or a certain um, following a certain leader for a long time. But if we leave not feeling ministered to, if we leave not feeling cared for, we leave feeling dissatisfied, perhaps then we should ask ourselves, why is that? What is going on? What is happening here? Notice this, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 verse 22 to 23, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Notice that the Bible says that the fruits of the Spirit are these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all that. It does not say that the fruits of the Spirit is you will be a mega church pastor. You will be a traveling evangelist. You will be this. You will be that. No. It is saying that you will have these things developed in you. And the thing about fruit is that you can't just look at fruit from afar. Now, you could tell from afar that fruit looks a little bit sweet. It's, it, it's, it looks kind of tantalizing. You can tell. But it's only when you sink your teeth into that piece of fruit will you know whether it's sweet, it's sour, it's good, or it's bad. And in the same way, when we follow a leader, we don't just look at the sermons that they preach. We look at their lives. We look at how they leave us feeling. We look at the kind of fruit they have produced and the kind of fruit that we would eat of them. That's a little bit of a weird explanation, but you get what I mean. And this serves as a warning, a reminder, a warning to us as leaders, those of us who have any form of influence, to not just focus on the outward things, but to really focus on also the heart. How do we leave people after we have ministered to them? How do people feel when they are with us? But it's also a reminder and a warning to not to be taken in by charisma or be taken in by words that we only want to hear, but to really see a leader for what he really is. Matthew 7, 20 says this, Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. The fourth thing is this, they are dangerous. Jude uses the examples of waves. They are dangerous. And if you know one thing about waves, if you've been out to the beach or if you've been to um, the seaside, you will know that when there's high tide, when there's waves coming, as much as a strong swimmer you are, as much as a, a great craft you are in, a big wave can easily not only overcome you, but draw you into the ocean and then you're finished. And this is the same when it comes to ungodly leaders with great influence. You know, if you watch those documentaries on how um, like those people enjoy cults and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and you know, they go through all kinds of crazy things. Is they, 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 they sell their house or they, they give all their money or you know, they give up their bodies to, to, to people. They allow all this abuse to happen and all that kind of stuff. And from the outside, it, looked, it can be very easy for us to say, how can these people be so silly, right? How can they fall for that? But here is the thing. I've also counseled people who have been in uh, 
places with cult-like behavior, there is a certain kind of draw and there is a certain kind of pull that doesn't make people, it doesn't allow people to leave that place so easily. So it is extremely dangerous. It is almost like that wave that can just sweep and catch and grab on to us. So that's one, that's one thing. And the last thing is this. They eventually drift away because the Bible says that they are like wandering stars. They are like shooting stars full of bright lights, hot air, but eventually fades away quickly. And one mark of a leader that is ungodly is usually they do not last the long haul. Now, I don't mean that that they stay in a church job. A church job is just as it is a church job. I don't mean that. I mean that there are people who they get into ministry and after a while they leave ministry, but they also leave Christ. Or they end up um, finding out they are not getting what they want, so they walk away, not just from the church, but they walk away from God altogether. There is nothing wrong from not being in ministry. I have, after being in ministry for a while, I know people who have stopped being in ministry, but they have not stopped being Christians. So somebody who actually is in leadership, but then, you know, leaves leadership and all that. Now, I know there are a lot of issues. I know there are a lot of complications. I know a lot of different stories and contexts, but here's a very important thing. Ungodly leaders will eventually drift away. When I was in Bible college, I always, I remember this so, so clearly. When I was in Bible college, um, back then, you know, I was, I was like the kind of like the, the, the guy that, um, I was like the guy that just came to class, did, did the work and just, you know, went home. I, I wasn't really um, sociable or trying to fit in or anything like that in Bible college. Um, but I noticed that even in Bible college, there were some certain individuals that were more celebrated. You know, the, like the principal will talk them up or you know, give them more opportunity to share or speak in chapel and all that. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that and that's quite normal. But time and time again, I've seen this. Time and time again, usually people pay a lot of attention to those who have great giftings. People pay a lot of attention to those who seem to be like a very charismatic, commanding kind of figure. But a lot of times, these people, after a while, they fade away. I remember one guy, he was telling this story of how, uh, you know, he, God was using him so powerfully as a youth minister that when he, uh, one day as he was driving, a police officer actually pulled him over because he was speeding and the police officer was going to issue him a fine but then said, hey, you are so-and-so, you minister at a youth camp. My son received a lot from the youth camp. And he was like, yeah, I'm that guy. And he let him go. That was a great story. And all of us like, wow. And for me, I was just like, wow, I want to be like that guy. Now that was, how many years ago was it? That was like, um, when did I graduate Bible college? That was like more than 10 years ago. 10 years now, that guy is nowhere near church. You know, he, he's nowhere he, he's, he's, he's nowhere, he's not even walking with God, let alone serving Him. So my point is this, is that ungodly leaders will eventually drift away. Now, 
this sermon today, uh, I'm being true to the text. Uh, I'm sorry if it didn't if it didn't inspire you or you know if it didn't really speak to you, uh, especially on Malaysia Day. But I do recognize that there are some people in our midst that perhaps this has kind of like um, triggered something in your life. Maybe it's something that you're going through or something you have been through. But I want to say this, okay? I want to end with this scripture, Proverbs 19, verse 21. It says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in the And this applies to both Malaysia and also to the message today. There are some people in the church that they could have their own agenda. And it is often very, very hard for us to know. And can I also say this? It is not up to us to go on a witch hunt to weed out some of these people. No, I believe, as the Bible says, by their fruit, you will see them. And fruit will come out eventually. Here's the thing. We just need to be wise. We need to be discerning. We need, And especially those of us who are preachers, teachers, pastors, prophets, whatever title you give yourself, we have to be discerning. And we have to ensure that we are always right before the Lord. We have no secret motives or hidden agenda and that we serve the people. And in closing, I also want to open up, I just want to open up the prayer time right now. And it's, why I want to do that is because I want to invite any person who has been hurt by maybe a church leader, maybe you're involved in some kind of uh, situation or whatever it is. Now, when I invite you to come for prayer, I invite you not to come and complain or to talk bad about your leader. No, I'm inviting you to open your heart to now say, Holy Spirit, would you help me see this situation the way you see it? Because let me tell you this, it is true that in the last days, false teachers and everything like that will crop up everywhere. It's a reality. The Bible tells us this. But I also know that the church has withstood and, 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 and endured through many scandals, controversies, and all these different things. The church is still here because God's plan eventually prevails. And even though there are leaders who have failed and leaders who have fallen, but there are also many leaders who continue to faithfully toil the field, serve, love, and counsel people. And for that, we love and we honor those leaders going the long haul and the long run. Our senior pastors are definitely among that group. 70 over years old, sorry, don't mean to point out your age, but still going strong. There are all there are good leaders, there are also bad leaders. But just because one plane crashes occasionally, it does not mean we should give up on flight altogether. And in the same way, let's have a heart's right. But I want to invite you. The rooms are open now. I want to open the rooms for people to get prayed for. If you have any hurts, you have any, you need people to minister to you, why don't you do that? And I'm going to just pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word that is true and that is real and relevant for us today. Lord, I want to pray first and foremost for all of us leaders. May we have the sensitivity and the discernment 
to continue to walk with you and to be with you. That we will walk in step with you. We will not be taken over by our own biases or our own sin or our own agenda. Whatever it is, no, we will be completely yielded to you. Lord, I want to also pray for people who have been hurt by leaders. Whether it is a misunderstanding or whether it's something more devious than that, Lord, we know a hurt is a hurt. But we also want to know and we also believe that you can heal those hurts. So I want to invite those of you who have been hurt to just surrender that on to God and to not give up on the church and not to give up on God because God is still real and there are still genuine people out there. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, Lord. Indeed, Lord, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, in Christ alone. Father, I thank you for this weekend. I thank you for the word. I pray that your word will go forth and it will not return void. I pray that you will give those who need healing, healing and encouragement that need encouragement to those that need encouragement. And Lord, I pray that we will continue to always have a fresh vision uh, and revelation of who you are. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.